God, I just thank you, God, that um, the money that we give into the kingdom, God, is money that we're investing into, into your purposes, God. And I just thank you, God, that you're going to take this, this offering, this, this gift that we're going to give, God, and you're going to extend the kingdom with it. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said, amen. Cool. Go for it, deacons. Pastor Mike. Thanks, Jay. Uh, just a, a couple of little things. Uh, Deborah Carr's having an operation for her cancer on the 31st of December. So let's pray as a church that uh, she'll be brought through this circumstance. Um, Isaac and uh, Zahida Gill, the uh, family that we've been assisting as a church. Can I just say a big thank you for everybody that's assisted us so far with providing for Isaac and Zahida. Uh, as I look at the Christmas story and how you've got uh, Jesus with, uh, no, Jesus is still in, Joseph and Mary are going about and there's no room for them. They really are the equivalent of refugees. And I'm so glad that we as a local church family have said that there's room and we've opened up our hearts. So thank you everybody for helping that. But they've got their interview with the uh, Immigration Department on the 9th of January. So it's a pretty key meeting. We thank God that everything else is going really well. We've got them a home and there's, uh, they're doing okay. So thank you for that. So two important things to think of. And also uh, Dave and uh, is taking a team to India on the, when do you disembark? Leaving the 2nd of January. So maybe the Sunday just before that, we'd love to just pray for you and the team as you go to India for that. So fantastic. I still have money, stewards. You miss me. That should not be possible. <laughs> Thank you. Look at them. That's fast. Red shoes as well and stuff. So, oh, there's someone else got missed. There you go. <laughs> they got two got missed. Anybody else get missed? Anyone like seconds? <laughs> Fantastic. And it's a great privilege today to welcome Pastor Leonard Monday. So let's welcome him as he shares. Good morning, church. How is everybody? Hallelujah. Let's just pray. Lord, we just thank you for this time together. We just thank you, Lord, that uh, you are the common denominator that binds us together as one, Lord. Lord, it's, uh, it's a heritage that comes, Lord, from the uh, saints of old. And it is something, Lord, that is far more valuable than anything the world can offer, Lord. So this morning, we thank you for that heritage, Lord. We just uh, come around your word, Lord. And as, as we do, Lord, we just ask you to give us minds to perceive and ears to hear, Lord, what you'd have to say to us today, Lord. We thank you that we have this privilege in this country, Lord, and we just bless you and honor you this morning. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody says, Hallelujah. Christmas Eve Eve. It's a great day, isn't it? I mean, we've got Christmas and then Christmas Eve came along. Well, now it's Christmas Eve Eve. And it's a great day. Um, who's on holidays? It's a special day when you're on holidays, aren't you? First Sunday of holidays, three weeks off. Four weeks off. Who, who's got the most weeks off? Four there, four there. Anyone got five weeks off? Any, any higher? Any higher? Do I have four there? Any, any five? No? They win. None. Who's got none? Oh, everyone a big, for our brother here, everyone, one, two, three. We feel your pain, brother. <laughs> well, we're thinking of you when we're on the beach, playing temp in bowling, doing all those things that you do on holidays. Just open your Bibles, if you will, to uh, the book of Acts, uh, sorry, book of Acts, book of Luke. Luke and Acts come together, so I get confused sometimes. The book of Luke, 
We're going to read about the birth of Jesus, just for something different. I'm going to take it from verse 3. We know the story that, uh, well, just briefly for anyone that doesn't know it. Mary, a virgin, has a visit from an angel, and the angel says, you're going to have a child. And she goes, that's impossible. And they say, no, all things are possible in God. The Holy Spirit's going to come along, and you're going to have a baby. So she gets pretty excited. She's engaged to be married to a guy called Joseph. Joseph finds out, and he goes, you tell me an angel said this, I don't believe you, on your bike. Well, that night an angel comes to him and says, listen, I'm telling you, it happened. So all of a sudden he goes, okay, no worries. I'm sticking, I'm going to stick with this. I'm going to make sure it happens. So he and Mary are now inseparable in God. God's birthed something in them. There's something supernatural going on. The angels visit both of them. She goes to visit her cousin. And her cousin has also been visited by God. She's having a baby as well. Not supernaturally, just naturally. And his name's going to be John the Baptist. And when Mary visits her sister, the baby inside her sister bounces with joy and gets full of the Holy Ghost. What a wonderful thing. Imagine being in the womb and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit of God comes upon this baby, so much so that he jumps. That would be a wonderful thing. I mean, you know, I don't know about you, but I was 20 years old before I got filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a wonderful experience. Um, changes your life forever. But I was 20 years old when it happened. Imagine before you were even born. Boom! That would be incredible, wouldn't it? And that's what happened. So they go along and uh, there's a census at the time and they go along and they have to go to Bethlehem because that's the town of David and Joseph comes from the line of David. So they have to go to Bethlehem and they register. And as they're doing that, the baby's born. As Pastor Mike already said, there's no room in the inn. So what they do is they, uh, Jesus is born in a stable. But just let's go to uh, verse 3. And everyone to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who he had pledged to be married to, had pledged to marry him, and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her, first son, her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths, placed him in a manger, because... There was no room in the inn. I love nativity scenes. Absolutely love them. I think they're the greatest thing on earth. I, I, I like Christmas trees, but I love nativity scenes. Christmas trees are good, they're pretty, but nativity scenes have a message. They're important. We should always have a nativity scene because it's an important thing. The biggest challenge I always have at Christmas is in one eye I see a nativity scene, but in the other eye I see the cross. The bloodstained cross. You can't separate the two. They're intrinsically bound together. The reason Jesus came was to die. He didn't come for any other reason. He didn't come to live a life. He came to die. The living of the life was the, the journey he had to take to get to the point where finally he was crucified for our sins. So there's this thing that I have going on. Every time I see a nativity scene, in my mind I see a cross. And it's not just any cross. It's, it's a rugged cross. It's, it's one that has had the, the, the son of the living God crucified on it. It has blood on it. At the bottom of it, there's a big pool of blood. I visualize this and I see it. And, and I don't know if you've ever, um, you know, the older guys probably, you know, raised in the country would know, we used to kill chickens. Anyone else? It's a lot of fun. You, you chop their heads off and they run. And you chase them around the yard. Isn't that true? 
Absolutely. They go everywhere. It's all, they're, they're like mad men. Mad chickens, sorry. They go everywhere. But whenever you kill a lot of chicken, their blood sort of mingles with the dirt. And this dark, crusty thing sort of happens. Well, that's what happened at the bottom of that cross. But it wasn't just ordinary blood. That was the blood of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That was the blood of God. That was the blood that was shed for you and me. So whenever you think of the cross, just visualize that. Because that blood is the blood that sets us free. That blood is the blood that heals us. That blood is the blood that changes our life. But we're talking about Christmas. And so we've got the, we've got the story so far. The baby's born. He's sitting there. We read on. And there were shepherds living out in the field nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. Who here would be terrified if that happened? These modern days, you'd be terrified because you were thinking aliens have come, hey? I mean, that's what the modern press try and feed us and that sort of stuff. So, you know, if you've seen this light and you heard these big noises, you'd be sitting there terrified thinking, E.T.'s come for me. He's gone home and he's come back. Now he wants revenge. But these men were just, just shepherds. They weren't Oxford students. They were there at nighttime guarding their sheep. And they seen this awesome sight. This awesome sight that happened to them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy and will, and will be for all the people. Everyone say all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. They went along. They found the baby. They worshipped him. The story goes on to say that Mary kept all these things in her heart and pondered them. A pivotal moment in history where God visits earth. It's a pivotal point of history. And who's there? The mother, father, and a few shepherds. mother and father and a few shepherds we all have a history and i know at my pivotal point of history when i got saved there wasn't many people like that and that's what happened here at this pivotal point of history when jesus comes as a baby with one agenda and one agenda only well we'll read about his agenda but he came for a purpose the purpose was to die on the cross but to get there, he had to go through a uh, process. So let's just skim through the first couple of pages and look at the headings. The shepherds come. Jesus is then presented at the temple, um, circumcised, um, after that period of uh, cleansing, cleansing took place. Um, then he became a boy in the temple. He got lost. I don't know if you remember the story. His parents went looking for him. They thought he was with the caravan with everyone else. They looked and looked and looked. They went back to where... They last seen him, and there he was with all the teachers and the, and the um, rabbis listening. And it goes on. John, who I talked about earlier, is baptizing people. And Jesus comes to him and says, I need to be baptized. And John knows who he is. 
not in his mind, but in his spirit he knows. John knows who he is in his spirit. And as Jesus walks, John says, I'm not even worthy to undo the thongs on your sandals. How can I possibly baptize you? He's been preaching for years now, John, that I preach with water, but one will come after me that will preach, that will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. So this is John's understanding of the way things meant to be. He sees Jesus. He recognizes him as the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. That's what he said. And as he recognizes Jesus as that Lamb of God, he's known him. They were cousins. They've known each other. But all of a sudden, there's a revelation in his spirit that this Jesus is the one I've been preaching about. This Jesus is the one that when I was in my mother's womb, the Holy Spirit touched me and I jumped. This Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And John the Baptist realizes it, and he comes down, Jesus comes down to John the Baptist, and John goes, no, I don't want to do it. I'm not worthy to do it. And Jesus goes, it's proper to do it. And he was baptized, and we all know the story. The Holy Spirit came down and sat on him like a dove. He, drove in, he was driven into the desert. The, the devil came to tempt him. Three times he tried to tempt him. Three times. What did Jesus use? The Scripture. The Scripture is a wonderful thing. And then, if you turn with me to uh, chapter 4, verse 14, says this, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread throughout the whole country. He taught in the synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth where he'd been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went in the synagogue, as was his custom, and he stood to read the scroll of the, scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled it up, and he gave it back to the guy, and they all looked at him. And Jesus said something. He said, Today that's been fulfilled. Jesus, at this point of time, he's been born. He's grown up like a boy. He's been baptized. He's gone in the desert. He's resisted the devil. The devil's fleed. He's come in. And he says, this is what I'm here for. I'm here to do this, 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 and this. And that's what I want to look at this morning. I just want to have a real quick look. I've got plenty of time. But we're going to have a quick look at what Jesus Hebrews 3, Hebrews 13, 8 says this, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change in any way, shape, or form. The biggest change that happens is us. You know, we become Christians and we change dramatically. Who knows that? I mean, you know, we had a friend that um, we worked with in Canberra and he, he, was, uh, he was a bit of a problem child, to say the least. He... Um, he used to take a lot of drugs, used to um, do a few things off building sites, took his clothes off to upset people. He was a very strange guy. And his wife had been to a church. And she kept saying, Wayne, I want you to get saved. I want you to go to church. I want you to become a Christian. She goes, you need to sort yourself out. And what happened was one day his wife sat down with him and showed him a picture. Their five-year-old son drew a picture of him and preached it. 
And he drew a picture of the house. And he drew a picture of the mom. He's supposed to draw a picture of the family. So he drew a picture of the house. And there was the mom and him and his brother and his sister. And then he drew a shed. And he drew a picture of the dad with a bomb in the shed. And it's a five-year-old kid. So this five-year-old kid's experience is that's dad and this is my family. This is home. This is normal for me. This is, this is what I experience every day. That broke the man. He got miraculously saved. Miraculously saved that day. He stopped drinking. He stopped taking drugs. He stopped smoking. He stopped swearing. Different person. So much so that his wife couldn't handle a lesson. That's a true story. His wife could not handle how much he changed that she left him. She, she wanted an ideal, but when it came, she wasn't ready for it. And, and it was tragic. It was very tragic. But that man is still going on to God. And he has not changed one little bit. Let me explain this a bit. Because we get this dramatic change when we get saved. And then, as we become old, well, let's say wise. We don't like the O word, do we? Who doesn't like the O word? Yeah. We become wise. Wise is good. We become wise. And um, we learn things along the way. One of the greatest gifts a church has is the old people in it. And uh, if we can connect the old people with the young people, it's going to save the young people a whole lot of heartache and mess. But no matter what happens, Jesus is always the same. The moment we get saved, all the lessons we learned along the way to getting wise, Jesus never changes. We change, our understanding changes. Jesus never changes. The things we understood when we first became Christians, you look back and you go, how, how, could, I, how could I believe that? But you know, there's a process we go through. There's a process we go through where God um, takes us from being babies that drink milk to, to being men and women of God that eat meat. And that process is fairly clear in the Word of God. And that process that happens, happens outside God. He never changes. He's always the same yesterday, today, and forever. If the Lord tarries for another 10,000 years, yesterday, Jesus is still the same. He doesn't change. If he comes tomorrow, he's still the same. How many people uh, woke up on the 22nd and thought, yeah, well, that's what they say. They missed the end of the world. Jesus never changes. No matter how many people come along and say, Jerry, you, Jerry, you. He never changes. So what we want to do is see where he himself has proclaimed, this is what I am. So the first thing we see is, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. A couple of interesting things that, that are just sidebars that are a whole sermon in themselves. Um, you know, Jesus was thirty years old, over 30 years old at this point of his life. And he didn't do anything miraculous in that time period. He didn't turn water into wine before he got baptized. He didn't do anything. But when that Holy Spirit dove came upon him, he was empowered through the Holy Ghost. And that same empowerment is there for you and me. That same empowerment is available for you and me. You know, God doesn't change. I'm always saying that. God doesn't change. And that empowerment that the Holy Ghost flowed through Jesus is available for you and me today. But he was anointed. And he was anointed for certain things. And he was anointed to preach the good news to the poor. 
let me give you the good news. Jesus Christ, born of a virgin, done miracles and wonders on the Friday night, was taken by evil men. He was put on a cross and crucified. He died and rose again to set the world free. That's the good news. Before that happened, there was this thing that we like to call the Messianic hope. Before Jesus was born, and from the last book of the Bible now, right to when Jesus was born, there's this period. And in that period, something developed, which is called the Messianic hope. Because what had happened was, Rome had come in and, had come in and taken over and subdued the people. And a whole lot of different people from Jewish history rose up. And they started a revolution. And they got squashed pretty quick. Rome said, we're not going to put up with this, we've got to squash it. So Israel started believing the Messiah was coming. And what that Messiah was going to do was he was going to um, release the people that were enslaved by Rome. He was going to have a mighty army. And the mighty army was going to come along. And the reason why they believed that, and that was because of a whole lot of reasons, but some of it goes back to the Maccabeans, some brothers that at different points tried to start revolution against Rome. And those brothers... um, built on this hope of this messianic king of kings and jesus comes along the shepherds sit there and they worship him and the whole time they're thinking rome's gone israel's going to rise again the disciples each one of them once they realized who jesus was all thought in their mind rome's gone israel's going to rise again that's what they thought that's what they understood Jesus' message was just the contrary. Jesus' message was, no, I've got to rise. I've got to be put on a cross, nailed to it, mocked, speared, whipped, spat on, beaten. I've got to die. I've got to sit through a period of time where God forsakes me and all the sins of men are put on me. That's what Jesus' message was. The whole time, you know, if you read through uh, the Gospels and you, you read where it says, you know, at what time are you going to restore the kingdom? Because that's what they're thinking. This kingdom, Israel's going to become great again. When are you going to restore the kingdom? When's it going to happen? We're all excited. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. But Jesus' agenda was completely different. Jesus' agenda wasn't get rid of you. It wasn't like that. It was for me. Each and every man, woman, and child in the history of the world that's why he did what he did so he comes along and he preaches a message of salvation and good news you might be here this morning and you might not know jesus you might be here this morning and like that song says we've forgotten about what it's all about we've forgotten what christianity is about you know, sometimes you do. Sometimes you get caught up in things. Um, churches are wonderful, wonderful places. But sometimes I think they grab this and grab that and they go, we've got to go and do this and do that and jump on this bandwagon and jump on that bandwagon. This morning, this is what you need to know. Jesus Christ died for you. That's all you need to know. Everything else is a bonus. 
but at the heart of what we need to understand is who God is. And this morning, if you, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, come up to me afterwards and uh, we'll have a chat and I'll show it to you. Because that's why he came. He came to preach the good news. He came to preach the good news. And the good news is that he died for each and every one of us. That's the good news. The next thing that he read from the book of Isaiah was this. He has come to proclaim freedom to the prisoners. Now, that's a great one. We have lots of people that are in prison. Now, they might not be uh, at HQ or Casalino. They might be in their own little prison. Their own little prison of shitty, self-righteousness, hatred. There's lots of things that can imprison us. And Jesus came to uh, set us free from those people. Because, I don't know about you, I can honestly say I've been in prison. I've been in a prison of depression years and years ago. I got depressed really badly. And it took God a lot to get me out of it. And as human beings, we're fragile. And, you know, we all like to think that we're uh, six foot tall men of God, you know, ready to take on the world, but we are fragile. And sometimes in our frailty, that's when God can be seen the most. When I am weak, he is strong. Amen? And we as men of God and women of God should never be afraid of our frailty. Because in our frailty, God is strong. But that frailty, sometimes if we don't keep check of it, can become a prison for us. Fear. Fear of people, fear of places. There's lots of things that can become prison for us. And Jesus came to set the captives free. And sometimes as Christians, we get so bound up in what we're doing for God or or what we're doing work-wise or what we're doing with our families that what we do is we take our eyes off the ball a little bit. We don't focus that the reason Jesus came was to set us free. We are set free and those the Son sets free are free indeed. You know what they do to circus elephants to stop them running away? When they're very, very small, they get a big heavy ball and they put a chain around their leg and they nail it in the ground. And what the elephant does is he tries to pull it and get away and he can't. And the elephant remembers when he's a hundred times bigger than what he was in gorilla days, they put the same ball, they nail it into the ground and the elephant could easily just pull it out, but he doesn't. Because he's imprisoned by that thing that he learned when he was young. It's a very, very simple thing to do for an elephant. I would hope we're not elephants. My Bible tells me that uh, God's mercies and His grace are afresh and new each day. My Bible tells me that if I make a mistake, that God will forgive me if I repent. My Bible tells me that there is nothing that can separate us from the love that is in Christ Jesus. My Bible tells me that we are more than overcomers. My Bible tells me that we are chosen men and women of God. And if the Son sets us free, we're free indeed. So this morning, you might feel like you're in a prison. And you've never told anyone. And, you know, I, um, this is not the sermon I was going to preach yesterday, by the way. This changed last night, or this morning, really. Because I, I knew what I wanted to say when I was first asked, and I had it already written down and ready to go. Who knows, that's a great thing. You're, you're always ready three weeks ahead, and you've got it written down, and hallelujah, God. And then a few days out, you think, oh, 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 oh. 
And then yesterday morning I sat down and the computer and I went, because I know that that there's people here this morning that are in a prison. You know, God got me to change what I was going to say because this morning there's people here that that are in that. And you might have never told anyone and it might be something that's a prison in your heart or whatever. Well, this morning God wants to set the prisoners free, amen? That's what God wants to do this morning. That's why Jesus came. That's his proclamation. This is his ministry mandate. This is what he said he was going to do. And that hasn't changed. Why? Because Jesus never changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And this morning, he wants to make sure that if you're imprisoned by anything, it could be sin, it could be sickness, it could be hatred, it could be anything. Jesus wants to set you free. I have a very simple theology that the Bible tells me that uh, if God is in me, then who can be against me? I've got a very simple theology that says, you know, the Spirit of God is in me. There's nothing else can be in me. It might be simple. It might not be. But that's the way I understand it. You know, God is bigger than anything else. But at times in our lives, we give up our freedom because of circumstances and situations. And when I was depressed, that's what I did. I got upset. I got depressed about something. And I gave up. I put myself in a prison. It wasn't anything the devil done. It wasn't anything to sin done. It wasn't anything that anyone else done. It was me. I was the idiot. And I can tell you that this morning. I got upset about something and I let it depress me. And it hurt me. Praise God. Praise God that he took me out of that thing. But... It was a prison that I created with my own hands. And the only thing that set me free was Jesus. The only thing that let me put a smile back on my face was Jesus. The only thing that gave me hope was Jesus. And He, He is the one that no matter what you're going through today can bring peace and happiness and calm and joy to you. Nothing else can. The reason why people drink to excess a lot and the reason why people take drugs a lot, mostly, not all the time, is because they want to dull the voices. That's why they do it. The voice that's inside the back of the head going, you should have been this, you should have done this, you should do this, you can be this, you should be this. People drink so they stop hearing those voices. And it's a tragedy. You know the voices that we should hear? It's this. It's this. Jesus says you're more than a conqueror. You're a son of the living God. You're more valuable than anything else in the world. See, he died for you. And we should be able to tell ourselves that every day. Because that's what he did for us. We go on and we see this. If we read verse... uh, we read the rest of, uh, sorry, verse 18. He has proclaimed, he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind and to release the oppressed. Recovery of sight to the blind. This picture here depicts the greatest miracle ever known. That inside that woman's stomach is God. I mean, think about that for a minute. 
the God that created the universe and sustains everything that is, is sitting inside that woman's belly. When he was baptized, the Holy Spirit came down on him. From that point on, the history of the world changed and would never go back to being the same. Up until that point of time, whenever the Holy Spirit came down, the Holy Spirit came down on a specific person in a specific place for a specific task. You've got the guys that uh, built the, the altar and the tabernacle and all those sort of things. The Holy Spirit empowered them to do it. You had guys that led and ruled the power. The Holy Spirit empowered them to do it. When Jesus was baptized, the floodgates of heaven opened. And the Holy Spirit got set and ready to move. And he stayed set and ready to move until Jesus went to heaven and then he came down. And from that point on, from that point on, the Holy Spirit is for all people, in all places, for every occasion. It's completely the opposite to the way it was before. And Jesus is the example of how to live according to the Holy Spirit. When he laid hands on the sick, they got better. When he released people from sin, they were released. When he took people and cast demons out of them, the demons were cast out of them. When he rose the dead, he rose the dead. And he didn't do it because he was God. He'd done it because he was anointed by the Holy Spirit. And this morning, that same anointing, that same Holy Spirit is here for you and for me. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, forever. The Father is the same yesterday, today, ever. And so is the Holy Spirit. They are unchanging. No matter what we do, no matter what we say, they never change. The Holy Spirit is here this morning, the same as he was when Jesus walked the streets of Nazareth and Galilee and Israel and um, Jerusalem. And he is here for you and for me. Why? So that we can show the people of this world the glory of the living God. So we can show the people something different. So we can show the people that God is a God who cares for them, who loves them, who wants to make them whole. That's why. That's why. You know, all through Jesus' ministry, he done all these miraculous signs and wonders. At one point, he, he fed um, 3,000 people. I think it was the 3,000 people that he fed at that time. And uh, he went straight from there and he... he he healed the blind guy. He made some mud up. He spat. He mixed it up. He put it in his eyes. He went and washed it out. And he was, uh, could see again. And immediately the Pharisees attacked him. And the Pharisees attacked him because he'd done the healing on a Sabbath day. There was a day when he wasn't supposed to do anything. And because he bent down and spat in the soil, made some mud up, they deemed that he was working on the Sabbath. And this is where Jesus talks about, for the first time, being the bread of life. And what prompts that is that the Pharisees go, well, when Moses was in the desert, uh, God provided the manna from heaven that fed all the people. And that's what they said. And, you know, Jesus going, okay, but I'm the bread of life. You know, they wanted a miraculous sign. He said, this is a miraculous sign. I'm the bread of life. Eat from me and you'll never get hungry again. Drink from me and you'll never get thirsty again. But all they could see was that he'd done something on the Sabbath and that long, long, long time ago, not in their generation, not that they ever seen it or appreciated it, but long, long time ago, God gave manna, manna to some guys in the desert. 
sometimes how Christianity can get like that. Sometimes how Christianity can go, well, I remember back in 1978, it was a great time. The youth camp, God done all these wonderful things. That was fabulous. Absolutely great. But nothing's happened since then. So what am I going to do? If someone does something, I'm going to get upset about it. If someone prophesies a little bit too loud, if someone you know, gives an interpretation of voice in tongues, I'm going to get upset. Because, you know, I'm still living in 1978 when we had this wonderful time in God. And that's what they were doing. I know that doesn't happen in this church. But I have been in churches where it does happen. He came to give sight to the blind and release the oppressed. One of the biggest oppressions there is is religiousness. We should always, always, always look for a fresh new thing in God. We should always look for a fresh new thing in God. We should never be happy with yesterday's manner. You know, in the desert when uh, Moses and the children of Israel walked through there, you know what a couple of silly people tried to do? They tried to store it up for the next day. All this manner everywhere. Let's grab some and store it up. You know, must have been entrepreneurs, I dare say. They were thinking, tomorrow might not come, we can sell it. A couple of entrepreneurs. They said, let's save this up. And when they came the next day, it was all rotten and rancid. It was horrible. But yet God supplied new and fresh that day. You know, when you hold on to old things of God, they do often become rank. We need to be searching for a new thing in God every day. His mercies are fresh and new every day, amen? Fresh and new every day. You cannot in any way shape out to God. You know, God is, you know, we, we, we live these wonderful lives and blessed lives and, and we see God doing miracles and, and wonderful things all the time. Um, God is a great God. But the moment we remember yesterday, we forget today. And then we forget tomorrow. And the whole point of Jesus being the same yesterday, today, and forever just disappears. You know, how God is a God of yesterday, today, and forever. We should be too. We should be living the moment and looking to the future as well as, re as reviewing the past. And that's what we should always try and do. So he came to uh, give recovery of sight to the blind and to uh, release the oppressed. The last thing we see, and this is a beauty. Verse 19, proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, it's not a year, if you think it's a year, it's a season. It's not a year. I mean, he didn't say, I've come to declare the year of the Lord's favor um, when, he wrote that, when he said that, and then one year later, everything stopped. Because he was still there for another two years anyway, just ministering himself. But there's this season of favor of the, of the Lord that we live in. And I believe that that season of favor is now until eternity. It never ends. It, it's a season that God has given us in our, in, our, in our human lives. And we are privileged to be living in it. Sure, we have trouble. If you do a, if you, who's got a Bible um, on their computers? If you do a search and you go, like, I, I want to search for what Jesus wanted to do when he got here. And you go, I came too. You know what turns up more often than not? I came not to bring peace, but to bring fire. I came to bring division. Because we have to make the choice for God. And sometimes that's going to bring division in our family, with our friends, with the people we've known and loved all our lives. I've told you a story about Wayne. That's what happened to him. He made a choice for Jesus. Now, he'd been saved for about two, three weeks when his wife left him. And we all expected him to, to just give up. 
Every single one of us that knew him expected him to give up. Rough construction industry back then was a rough and tough thing. You don't have the safety you've got these days. You don't have, you know, all, all this, you know, Molly Colin on the men. It was a tough place back then. You, you, either, you either survived or you didn't. And lots of people that didn't. These days, it's, it's a little bit more sanitized. It's, the, you know, if, you, if, someone gets, um, if someone has troubles, we actually do a whole lot of things to help them, you know. Back in the day, if you weren't good enough, you got sacked. These days, you can't sack people that easy. You've got to sort of mollycoddle them. So Wayne, I'll tell you one story. There was a uh, woman engineer, and uh, it was the first woman engineer that we'd ever seen on a building site. And um, she was tough. She was tougher than most of the guys. But Wayne didn't like that. He thought in the building industry was for men and tough men, no women on site. So what Wayne used to do, and this is without any blemish, what Wayne used to do, he used to look down the car park, he'd see her car roll up. He would take all his clothes off, except for his boots and his hat. And he'd keep working. And she would come up and he'd go, you want to work in this industry? You've got to be a man. <laughs> she, she managed to, uh, she managed to um, control him after a while. She used to always go, oh, Wayne's a cold today, mate, is it? That's what she'd done and it calmed him down and he started wearing clothes again. But that's what he was like. And he went from being that person to someone that was in a church band overnight. To someone that gave his life completely to Christ. For someone that just took everything that was in his shed, pornographic, everything in there, and just burn it. Overnight. Absolute miraculous. And he, like I said, he's still in church. He still plays in the church band. And he's moving in God. You know, sadly, that's not the norm when we see people get saved. Sadly, we all struggle with things here and there and things trying to trap us and imprison us. And we talked about that before. But what Wayne had, he had this very simple understanding. And he'd look you in the eye and he'd just stare you down a little bit. And he would go, I am the chief of sinners. And it's the grace of God that's brought me here. The year of the Lord's favor was upon him. It still is. The year of the Lord's favor is on you and me. We might suffer at times. Wayne suffered. His family left him. His wife wouldn't let him see his kids. He's done all sorts of horrible stuff to him. But he never gave up because he knew he was walking in the, in the time of the Lord's favor. You know, sometimes things can come against us. Sometimes there's trouble. Sometimes there's strife. Sometimes there's pain. Sometimes there's suffering. But Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. He does not change. He is the reason for the season, as they say. Christmas is one of the greatest times of year. Only surpassed, in my view, by Easter. Easter is the pinnacle of human history. But Christmas is the time when the God of all creation, the Bible tells that he holds and sustains all things in his hands. That God that holds and sustains all things is in the stomach of man. That God that brought blind, uh, sight to the blind, 
that God that released the oppressed, that God that proclaimed the freedom, that God that declared the year of the Lord's favor was in the womb of Mary. And why? Because me and you were sinners. And we needed him to come. I, my mind is, is a strange place. Don't ever go there. It's very strange. Pastor Mike probably uh, would attest that mine's a strange, my mind's a strange place. I've always sat there and pontificated, thought. What would have happened if Adam and Eve didn't eat fruit? What would have happened? Because who's to say that the next generation, one of them wouldn't have eaten the fruit? And then if one of them eat the fruit, you'd have two different races of people on the earth. You'd have those that are sinners and those that aren't. And then would Jesus come for the sinners? Would he have to? It's an interesting question, isn't it? In the providence of God, Adam and Eve ate the fruit. But what that means to you or me is that we needed a savior. We needed a God to come down from heaven himself to intercede for us to take our place we needed the very god of heaven we needed his blood to flow so that house wouldn't we needed him to stand on that cross and be crucified we needed him to sit there and go my god my god why have you forsaken me as all the sins of every generation were placed upon his shoulders That's the God we serve. That's the God we worship. That's the God we love. But on that night, some shepherds were in a field. And as they were there, the heavens opened up. An angel of the Lord appeared. said, don't be afraid. Today, good news comes to you. In Bethlehem, the Savior has been born. And then the heavenly hosts of angels joined in and a party started. This Christmas, remember that. We are celebrating the birth of God. Not for any other reason other than we needed him to come. He was on a rescue mission. A rescue mission for your soul and my soul. A rescue mission that would expand across eternity. Which means one day we get to stand in front of Jesus and hear him say those words, Well done, good and faithful servant. It is Jesus that has done that for us. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Can the musicians come up, please? I want to sing Silent Night. I won't sing because you'll all leave. And as we sing it, I just want you to picture that, that scene of the shepherds in the field. And all of a sudden, heaven invades earth. All of a sudden, an angel comes down. Now, I've never had the privilege of seeing an angel, and I would bank that none of you have either. But that angel came down to declare that Christ is born. And that's what we want to celebrate this Christmas.
Christmas and a blessed 2013. It's great to have Elsie and Carolyn this morning and uh, their first time back to church, but uh, we know Jim is in the other part of the church that's up there right now. He's singing along with all the saints around the world today, so it's great to have that there. That was a great word. That was a good word. There was good seed in that. And really please don't leave without igniting that if you if, if you are in any one of those categories if you need your eyes to be healed if you need your body whatever please don't leave uh, but we are going to close the service we're going to uh, ask you to go out there and love your brothers and sisters and be in fellowship and if you visited with us please uh, visit in the uh, visitors lounge and tuesday we've got a one-hour service just very fast very brief 9 to 10, but it's just good to remember that God came to earth and that changed everything for everybody. Fantastic. God bless you. And uh, do invite you to come out to the front and the rest of you could just leave quietly and we'll just put on some music so we can just pray for those that are in need.